the Thor. I'm going to start with a poem called Enclosure. You left me, and that wasn't the deal, and now I feel not only rejected, but humiliated, worthless, demotivated, amputated. You left me. Why? We agreed to never say goodbye until death us parts, and we add to the culture where a promise doesn't mean a thing. Enclosed. One ring. I wrote that poem a while ago, not from personal experience, but perhaps from a cumulative sense of sadness that I'm in touch with, because I spend so much time listening to other people's stories. There are many things other than death that can bring about an emotional winter of loss and grief. At this time, many are grieving for loved ones, a grief that is exacerbated because of the unnatural way that process is taking place due to social distancing. The visits and hugs are not there in the way that they would be under normal circumstances. In addition, there is a type of eclipsing that happens to personal grief when there is an onslaught of statistics that threaten to depersonalise each individual tragedy. My thoughts are with you. To some extent, all of us are experiencing loss, perhaps the loss of control, the loss of purpose in the day-to-day, or the loss of our previously reliable rhythms of life, as well as, of course, the loss of the social contact that usually colours our lives. In the first episode of these podcasts, I talked about the importance of living in the now, but sometimes the moment in which circumstances significantly change for the worse can be experienced with such intense shock that we actually become frozen in that moment. Metaphorically and emotionally, we may find ourselves in a similar place to Miss Havisham, who in Dickens' Great Expectations was jilted at the altar and who stayed in her finery in the room with the decaying wedding feast with the curtains drawn, not knowing how to proceed with life. The Serenity Prayer will no doubt be familiar to you, whether or not you're a Christian. It reads, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. If you are feeling to any degree frozen by or in your current circumstances, it is worth taking the time to analyse the situation and identify the things that you can change and the things that you can't. It might be helpful to write them down. In fact, I'm going to make that my first suggestion. Suggestions 1. Analyse your current circumstances. Write down the things that you can change and the things that you can't, and then decide what the best first step might be that could begin to bring about an emotional thaw from the place of being frozen. Even if it's a very small step, it's one worth taking. 2. Consider any areas of your life in which you have been working through the grieving process, perhaps without realising it. 
The stages of grief are widely considered to be shock and denial, pain, sometimes accompanied by guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, acceptance and hope. Not everyone experiences every stage and the stages may occur in a different order. It can be helpful to know that what you have perceived to be an emotional roller coaster is in fact a normal process. 3. Be kind to yourself. Remember that grieving is a process and therefore it does take time and it is very seldom possible to just snap out of it. So whether you are grieving because of your personal circumstances or because of what you know from the media of the tragic circumstances happening in our world at the moment, know that your grief is a normal process and that it is possible to emerge from it with restored hope. What's God got to do with it? On Easter Sunday, Paul Harcourt, vicar of All Saints Woodford Wells and leader of New Wine, gave an online message. In it, he said that at this time of lockdown, he and his wife Becky had been watching more TV than usual. He expressed mild exasperation at the fact that Becky liked to watch the last episode of a box set first just to check that the ending would emotionally satisfy an investment into the whole series. Sometimes it's good to know the end of the story. Just over three years ago, I had a foretaste of the end of the story as I lay at death's door in ICU. I had sepsis and pneumonia and my organs were failing. In that place, I had a view of life after death, both heaven and hell. Through all the trauma of that time, I was confident that if I died, I was going to be with Jesus. But the view in either direction from that place of being on the brink was awful and terrible, wonderful and glorious. And in both cases, so much more than I know how to express in words. I heard someone on the radio last week speaking of a spiritual experience that they had had in ICU and the interviewer remarked that they would have been on powerful drugs and susceptible to hallucinations. I prefer the perspective of a friend of ours who was a palliative care doctor, who talked about people being more there than here. Crossing over from this life to the next isn't always instantaneous. During that time of critical illness, I was confident in the saving power of Jesus, because his promise to me is that he will never leave me nor forsake me. That's Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. And that even though I may walk through the darkest valley, I need fear no evil because he is with me. Psalm 23. Some of you may feel that the current circumstances equate to a valley of the shadow of death place. God's promise to you, should you choose to accept it, is that he is with you, and will never leave you. Jesus' story didn't end on Good Friday, and if we choose to live our life following him, ours needn't end there either. On Easter Sunday especially, but every day, we have reason to celebrate because Jesus overcame death by dying for us. Like Becky, we can choose to know the end of the story in advance if we want to. And with God... 
death and grief is never the end of the story. If you're not living your life as a follower of Jesus, you may want to consider his life and messianic claims. All of us are in some sense uncomfortably close to death's doorstep right now, possibly looking death in the face more starkly than we have before. Also, many of us have time on our hands that we could spend on this investigation. So, if not now, when? Oh, and God himself, in the flesh, nailed to a cross, torn apart, bleeding and dying because of his great love for each one of us is sufficient to cover your sins, whatever you may have done and however you have chosen to live your life to date. So don't disqualify yourself from the invitation. I'm going to pray and you may want to join in agreement with the prayer simply by adding your Amen. Dear God, I need you. I'm humbly calling out to you. I'm sorry that I've gone my own way in life. Please help me now, as I choose to start doing things your way. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit and make me whole. Lord, teach me to trust you. Help me to love you and to live my life for you. Help me to know and understand your grace, your mercy and your peace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died, not only so that I may be forgiven, but so that I may know true freedom and life in all its fullness for all eternity. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you did say Amen to that, enjoy the adventure. I can't recommend it too highly. God bless you.